Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free! On the ground! South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do! It is Wednesday, August 31st. We are just three days away from the kickoff to the season that just feels like we've been waiting for forever because for the first time in a long time, there is hype in Columbia, South Carolina. I am Mike Cuban. Joined along with me today is Nick Klaus. We don't have Marcus. Marcus is on the move, literally. He is moving today. So we apologize about that, but Marcus will be back with us next week. And uh, I I do want to ask him his thoughts with, Everything that's going to be transpiring this weekend with Jadavian Clowney getting his jersey retired. I think that's incredible. Perhaps what he thinks as to who another player, if there is another player down the road, maybe himself. I know he probably mm-hmm. would do that. Um, as to what the criteria in his eyes should be for when a guy gets his jersey retired at South Carolina. I don't, I don't think he'd say it. But no, he's not going to say it. He's humble. But we'll say it. We'll say it. Uh, With all that being said, though, Nick, let's just jump right into it. Let's just jump right into it. Georgia State, it is finally here. It's not the Ohio State-Notre Dame matchup. It's not the Georgia versus Clemson matchup like a year ago. But then again, it's week one. You don't have preseason college football. Shane Beamer said it on Tuesday that he hates. He hates week one games. Because there's a lot of uncertainty. That's why I give a lot of credit for when these schools do go out and they schedule these bigger schools because you have to have balls to do that Mm -hmm. because you just don't know what the hell you're going to get. So, look, Georgia State, they're not Eastern Illinois. But at the same time, too, you should be able to beat this team. I expect things to be fairly vanilla. I expect maybe South Carolina to take some shots on offense to show the arm off with Spencer Rattler to get the crowd going, because I can see Beamer doing that. Uh, but for the most part, I expect to see a good, good chunk of different players out there on the field come Saturday. Yeah, I'd expect the same thing. Um, I think, you know, this isn't a game you can overlook. I think there's a, the big thing is that people look at this and it's an immediate W. You're just like, that's a win. But, I mean, they're favored 12-and-a-half at home, so not more than two touchdowns. And Georgia State is a sneaky team. And so I do think, you know, as a South Carolina grad and fan, I'm not as confident as we're going to go in and steamroll this team. Like you said, it's not Eastern Illinois. This is a solid team. A lot of SEC guys who don't pan out go to these 
this school, go to Georgia State. They're a solid program. So I definitely think South Carolina is going to be more tested in this week one game. But like you said, I really think the offense is going to be able to overpower Georgia State's defense. If Rattler gets in a groove, um, I don't think Georgia State's really going to be able to stop it. So I will say that this should be a game where South Carolina can get an easy win. I mean, they're not ever easy wins, but get a good win week one in Willie B. Um, but I do think it's going to be a little bit of a battle until the second half. South Carolina might pull away in the end, make the score look a little better. But, you know, don't count out Georgia State. It's a solid team. And as we're taping this right now, it's around, what, 1 o'clock on Wednesday. Pete Lembo should be wrapping up as we speak. The coordinator spoke today. And one of the things that Lembo brought up is the fact that as a former Group 5 head coach at Ball State, he's been part of many upset wins when it comes oh, yeah. to group five teams being able to take care of power five schools, whether that be ball state beating Indiana, whether that be ball state beating Virginia. I, I bring that up because with these week one games, I mean, I, I think probably the one that everyone remembers and I say everyone, um, <laughs> depending on how old you are. Cause I know we have some, some people that are probably still in college that are, are listening to this and that's all right. But the one that really stands out, is App State beating Michigan that year, blocking the field goal. So I I bring that up because if there's ever going to be a time where we would see a team be able to pull off an upset like this, and that's not to say it can't happen later in the year. I remember what the Citadel did against Alabama a couple years ago. They played them phenomenally in that first half, and then unfortunately they just weren't able to, to keep up with the star power that the Tide had. But week one is usually that week, right? Week one, week zero. If there were uh, games that you know took place last week, you'll see the upsets typically happening in that week when it comes to some of these group five teams. And the main reason why, like I alluded to before, you don't have preseason games in college. You don't. I story for another day or conversation for another day. I think there should be joint practices for college football. Keep it in state, uh, especially if we go away with another conference game in the coming years. And I think that's the direction that we're going to be heading in with the SEC specifically. And I think we'll see this with some other. Power five, power four. It's funny to even say power five. Now I think it's more of a power three. It'll be a big three at some point. But mm-hmm. I, I think that if you're South Carolina, everything you're saying, Nick, is right. Um, you can't just assume that this is going to be a win. You have to come out there and you got to play hard. Now, the coaching staff won't say it. The players, majority of them won't say it. Um, but they expect to win this game. They expect this to be a game that they should be able to win handily that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to beat them by 30 or 40 but being control of the game from start to finish if i'm if i'm south carolina what i'm trying to take away from this game more than anything there's a couple things one i want to be able to have confidence in this offense i want to have confidence in the play calling selection for marcus satterfield i want to see spencer rattler stay upright do the things that you should be able to do against a Georgia State team because you know what? Guess what? (laughs) The week after, you're going out on the road. First SEC road game of the year in a hostile environment, 11 a.m. local time kickoff against Arkansas. You don't have a lot of time to be able to breathe, if you will, Nick. You have to be able to find some confidence. You have to be able to find some guys that maybe there's some spots out there that 
the coaching staff has circled, right? Could be a certain position or two, and they have question marks about. You want to have some of those question marks answered. It's only week one. It's only one game. It's a group five team. That's what I'm looking for this weekend. The win, yeah, that's great. Be able to handle them. Don't worry about how much they beat them. Go look a couple of years ago when they beat Charleston Southern. They put up 70-something points. A lot of good that did for South Carolina that year, Nick, huh? That, yeah. That great season, huh? Well, oh, yeah. Well, a great time no. after that. Control. Have control of this game from start to finish. Have some of the younger guys get in there to maybe help you answer some questions from a depth standpoint. But just have some confidence. So you're feeling good heading into that week two game against Arkansas. And then, of course, Georgia on the other side of that in week three. I mean, I think it's a great thing. Like, we're not playing, you know, an FCS team right off the bat week one. I think it's a great thing that they're trying to be tested in this first game because, like you said, they have Arkansas right after that. That They're ranked, I think, 19th right now in the country in the AP poll. So, And then Georgia after that. So your schedule is just going to get harder right Mm -hmm. after this game. But it's a great test. No, it's not Notre Dame taking on Ohio State in week one. And like like Mike said, that takes some balls to schedule that. Um, but it's a good test. And the thing I think where the nerves come is this. You look at pap- on paper, yes, South Carolina should steamroll Georgia State. It should be, you know, a pretty handle uh, controlled game by South Carolina. Come out with a win. But that's where the nerves come in. You know, we don't know how Rattler's going to do. We mm-hmm. don't know how the O-line is going to hold up. We're hearing great things. You know, we're seeing great things in practice. But this is game one. This is the time to show it, the, to see how, you know, how is Marshawn Lloyd going to come out as, you know, the starting running back after that was decided. How is um, all the transfers, how's Beale Smith, Juice Wells, you know, Rucker, how's he going to do? Jaheim Bell, is he going to live up to the hype? You know, there's a lot of question marks right now just because we haven't played a game, and that's what week one's about. We're going to get an actual look at this team on the field on a Saturday in Willie B. And, you know, it's just it's gonna it's come time. We're going to see, is that O-line going to hold up? How's, how's the defense going to hold up? So, you know, the, that's where the nerves come from. You know, you're seeing great things. You're reading great things in articles, seeing great things at practice, but – how is that going to translate in the first game? We're going to find out against Georgia State. And there's a couple of things I do want to get into as far as the season goes, right? Um, big picture stuff. Predictions. If you're a subscriber on Gamecock Central, you would have seen on, I think I put it out Tuesday. I'm losing track of the days here. Um, that's what happens when you're covering two teams in the fall. But I'll put that out yesterday, just some predictions I have this year. I'll get to that in a little bit because you brought something up with the offensive line. And I, I think this is going to be the year that not only they respond back from, from where they were last year, but that this offense is going to do something that we haven't seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Certainly not in my six years of covering South Carolina going on seven years. Heck, I'm trying to think. Okay, not too far back. Okay. Missed almost a year. I'm glad we didn't say that. I've been covering the SEC since 2015, so I'm kind of teasing what I'm going to say. But I'll get to that point in a little bit. Let's talk about some of these things, though, that you brought up, You know, bringing up Christian Beal Smith. I don't expect to see CBS really in this game, if at all, um, if we do see him limited. And the reason being is if he's banged up, 
first one, first game of the season. You hope you don't need them. You hope you mm-hmm. don't need them. Um, and with the depth they have at running back, some guys that you want to be able to have some, you want to be able to answer some questions, right? I mean, this is this is the stuff that we're talking about. It doesn't have to be necessarily okay, a starter. It doesn't necessarily even need to be the number two guy. It could be guys, whether it be the three, whether it be okay, this should this guy be the two, three, or do I just need do I have confidence in one of these guys out there? I think the positions that you typically see that in, you'll see it at wide receiver, you'll see it at running back in games like this. You hope you want to be able to, to get a comfortable lead. You'll also see it though on the defensive line. There's some depth on that D line. That's a good thing. Um, when you lose guys like J.J. Anambari, when you lose guys like Aaron Sterling, when you lose guys like Jabari Ellis, those are some dudes. Those are some dudes. Now, Jordan Birch filling the role of Aaron Sterling, J.J. Anambari, and on the other side of that, also in that mix, is Jordan Strawn. Those are your two guys you expect to be able to come in there and replace those two. Those are big shoes to fill. I expect Jordan Strong to have a phenomenal season. I think he's going to lead South Carolina in sacks this year. Ten and a half sacks at Georgia State two seasons ago. Had a chance to sit behind guys like J.J. and Sterling this past season. He's down 15 pounds, if not more. Now we got to go back and double check. I know he's 15 down pounds uh, in the spring. He's going to be flying around, especially this first game. Jordan Birch. He showed some good things last year, come back from an injury Mm -hmm. that freshman year. Had some injuries that he was battling through freshman year, 26 tackles last year, had a couple TFLs, that pick six, of course, that we remember, the 60-something yard interception return. This is the year for him to be able to take that next step. He was playing behind some dudes. He was playing Mm -hmm. behind some dudes. Injuries, COVID, not making excuses, but different coaching staff. This is his time. This is his time. So I I think it's comical when some people go on little rampages about him um, saying like, you know, oh, when we can see Jordan Burke, we've seen him. We've seen him. It, just stop making comparisons to what you think the kid needs to be. Just give it some time too. Jordan, uh, junior year. He's going to be in a situation to do some big things this year. I really do believe it, Nick. Mm-hmm. No, he's he's. I was just about to say he's probably on defense. My, um, like you said with Jordan, I mean he's going to have a great year too. But on that D line, I think he's going to be kind of a breakout player because coming in with that five, you know, it was huge when he committed that five star. Um, all the hype it comes with it, but like you said, he was playing behind some very talented players. And then also, you know, he had COVID, he had the injury, you know, there were things that held him back. But I think this year he's given, he's being given the responsibility. You know, Mm -hmm. he's expected to be a um, impact player on that defense. So I actually think this is going to be a huge year for him where we actually, the fans actually see the Jordan Birch they've been waiting to see you know if you have the expectations of he's going to be the best player in all of college football because he was a five-star and signed at South Carolina then you know your expectations are a little high but he's going to be an impact player on this defense and you're going to hear his name a ton more in my opinion 
So that's just one player. That's just one player. Again, we could talk about Jordan Strawn, throw another name out there. Alex Huntley does story today on Gamecock Central. You can check that out, hear from the two, and uh, just kind of what's going through their minds as, as they head into this season. Two guys that are no stranger, uh, doing strangers to, to being in the spotlight, certainly playing at a school like Hammond and just the powerhouse that they became when they were over there playing for Eric Kimry. So uh, I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see both those guys this year. But I think for a guy like Birch, if he has that type of season, the caliber season that he's been waiting for, and he just hasn't had that chance to, really. He no. just hasn't. You play behind two starters, especially guys like that. I mean, J.J. got drafted last year. Aaron Sterling was was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. Um, he, was a, he was a great Gamecock. And you also throw that in the fact that he was come back for some injuries his freshman year. I mean, come on, man. Come on. So learning a new playbook. To, I mean, come on. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what we, what we get from these guys this year. Plus, again, when you have a guy like Jordan Strawn on the opposite side, teams are going to learn quickly that they're going to have to block him. They're going mm-hmm. to have to block him because if you don't, it's going to open some things up. And then at that point, if you really want to, you know, go across the board, would it be Tonka Hemingway? I mean, you could just go across the board up front. Zach Pickens, you need guys to be able to fill the role of Jabari Ellis. Jabari was one of the most unsung heroes on that defense last year. There's a reason why the Giants brought him in for a tryout. He's good. He's very good. Mm-hmm. He moves very well and moves. I say moves because I, I'm fingers crossed that he can get a phone call one day still. Mm-hmm. But but he moved very well at South Carolina for a big man. I think Huntley can be that guy. We know what Zach Pickens is capable of doing. That is a special unit up front. They have some guys. Now what it comes down to is just being able to put it all together. And that's, and that's what we're waiting for now. And like I said, you have to see the product on the field. And we'll see it this Saturday against Georgia State. But I totally agree. Anyone who's saying South Carolina's D-line, you know, may, oh, isn't as deep or isn't a strong suit of the defense, I think you're a little crazy when you have Birch, Pickens, Huntley, you have Tonka Hemingway backing up Pickens. I mean, that's a great front three. You have to decide, like you said, you have to block Jordan. You're, you have to block Pickens. And that's why I honestly think Birch is going to eat up a lot this season because he's going to, you know, people are going to learn early how to best block these guys. But I think it's a great front three they have. Their linebackers are looking great too. So I think the defensive line is a strong suit for the South Carolina team. But like you said, that's on paper. Mm-hmm. We have to see how it comes together in this first game and throughout the season. So before I get into some of these predictions I had, because I said I would do it, I said I would do it, and I'll give you some time to maybe think of some in your head, Nick, kind of putting you on the spot here a little bit. But let's get back to this weekend, what this weekend means. With the amount of momentum that has been created going back to last, last December, even before the Duke's Mayo Bowl, And it started with Spencer Rattler. It started with Austin Stogner. It started with the guys from the transfer portal going to South Carolina. It started being able, even before that, 
going back to the Auburn win, being six and five in that point to be able to become bowl eligible. Obviously, disappointing loss to, to Clemson, but they were able to go to a bowl game. They were able to end the season on not just a high note, but a very high note because of the way that they performed against UNC. A team that going into that game, especially when you looked at some of the players for South Carolina who chose to sit out that game Mm -hmm. or were injured. Nick, I don't know if you remember that. A lot of people were not picking South Carolina to win that game. Oh no! I know know it was a bowl game. I know it's the Dutch Mayo Bowl. But a lot of people weren't picking South Carolina to win. They came out and they smacked UNC in the face. And obviously, a lot of that had to do with the game plan they had on offense. I say all that because since then, that momentum, it feels like, has been just growing, right? January into February. and th- You've seen stuff that we've never seen before, whether that be the behind-the-scenes stuff that's taking place on ESPNU with the little series they're doing on USC. You're seeing guys like Spencer Rattler, highest recruit USC's ever had, Post, post um, recruiting database era, because if you go back, probably Todd Ellis would be in there. So this is all going on, and now it's finally here. Recruits, it's been incredible. Three of the four top players in the state of South Carolina have committed to South Carolina. Uh, to South Carolina, you've seen just the high caliber four stars that South Carolina has landed to the point now where they're ranked 16th in the on three recruiting database for the class of 2023. They have a very good quarterback in Dante Reno for the class of 2024. They're also picking up steam with one of the 31, 31 five-star recruits out there in the country in Nicholas Harbor, who's also in the DMV area who, Oh, by the way, that's also a place that Beamer has landed three players from in the DMV area so far the, these last couple months. So I say all that, Nick. I say all that. As great as that's been, they got to be able to put something out there on the field. It's Georgia State. They should be able to take care of them. They should be able to win. That shouldn't be the issue. But, man, you can't afford to lose this game. You cannot afford to come out there and lay an egg. You can't afford this season to miss out on a bowl game. You need to be able to handle your business here. You can't be hooting and hollering and everything that they've been doing, which I think is just great. I think what they're doing is great. Mark Stoops can have his comment all he wants, right? He can say it wasn't directed at USC. I mean, come on. You need to be able to back it up. This is where it starts. You can't lay an egg. You need a win, and you need a win handedly. They do. They need a win. They need a win here. And like you talked about all that hype, I mean, it was a lot of great hype just from the fact they made a bowl game in Beamer's first season, and he did so well as a first-year head coach and, you know, going through four quarterbacks um, and then winning that UNC bowl game. um, It really rose the uh, brought the hype up this season. But then on top of that, you go crazy in recruiting and adding on, like you said, three of the top four players in the state of South Carolina becoming Gamecocks and adding on four-star after four-star and being in consideration for Harbor. Some think even favorite, the favorite for Harbor. So 
all that hype now. Now you got recruits watching. I mean, you got the class, but recruits are going to watch. They want to see the product on the field of what South Carolina is building because, you know, it started good last year, but that's one year. That is one year. Mm -hmm. So it's got to continue to build up, and it starts right here with Georgia State. This second season under Beamer, you know, there's a lot of tough games after that, but you have to win Georgia State to, you know, even start on a high note. And also, you know, if you want to be bowl bowl eligible by the end of this season with the schedule South Carolina has, this has to be a win. It needs to be a win for them. And then after that, you know, you'll deal with Arkansas. You'll You'll scrap out with Georgia at noon and Willie B in week three. And then, you know, you have a few other games that should be wins. But those games that should be wins have to be. Right now with, you know, all eyes on South Carolina with what they're doing in recruiting and, um, you know, just the hype that's been around them. They have to back it up and you have to do it against Georgia State. Especially when you're going to be introducing those new LED lights. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't go out there and lose opening night underneath those. You just can't. and I'm not trying to speak anything to in, into existence, but I'm bringing all this up because, look, it's been incredible. It's been an incredible offseason for South Carolina. Um, again, I've been covering this team since 2016. I've been covering the SEC since 2015. I haven't seen it like this at all, even the year they went to the Outback Bowl, even when Hayden Hurst was here and some of the things they were able to accomplish. Um Earlier in the Muschamp era, it just wasn't the same. And again, that that's what happens when you're you're able to land a guy like Spencer Rattler. That's what happens when you have a guy like Shane Beamer, who just understands what is needed to be done when it comes to connecting with his community and this fan base. And he's done a tremendous job about with it. They need to be able to do something with it. Not just that game, but this season. Because, again, and I understand some fans are going to get upset when I say this. You're not going to win a national championship this year. You're not going to win an SEC title this year. You're not going to win the SEC East this year. I say all that because this team, what they're trying to do right now and build off of what they accomplished last season if you had told anyone this a couple of years ago, especially towards the end of the Muschamp era. So let's go back into what December of 2020, they hire Shane Beamer. If I would have told you that South Carolina would be in position to not only have a seven win season in year one and win a bowl game, but be in position to have its highest recruiting class, perhaps of all time, depending on how things play out. Um, certainly would be in the top 15, if not top 12, but could be even top 10 if they were able to land a guy like Nicholas Harbor. And then South Carolina is able to have seven, eight wins in the regular season, go to a bowl game. I mean, everyone would sign up for that. So look, I understand some people, okay, Rattler's here. They're excited. They have high expectations. Oh, nine wins this year, maybe 10 wins in the regular season. I'm not trying to be the wet blanket in the room. But realize, I mean, this is what I hear all the time. You know, the guy like uh, Antoine Wells Jr. coming in. 
Oh, okay, he did at the FCS level. Oh, James Madison's really good. Well, it's not the SEC. It's tougher. Okay. Some of you people that say that quickly forget that when you talk about the challenges of the SEC. If it's so hard, then what what, what makes you just think it's just going to be a cakewalk? It's not. So, Nick, I... I think it's just important to keep things into perspective in perspective, which mm-hmm. is this season, in my opinion, is about showing progress. It's about being able to back it up to the fans, the boosters. That's great. I'm not saying guys aren't important, but it's more so to back it up to the recruits, the people that have already verbally committed. Exactly. We want to keep them here. The Nicholas Harbors of the world, though, the guys that are for the class of 2024. And then I can't believe I'm going to say this feeling old just thinking about this. The class of 2025, when you start looking ahead, you need to, need to back things up this year. You need to. No, you have to back things up. And I don't think you're being a wet blanket. I think you're being realistic. Um, You look at the SEC schedule that South Carolina has, and you see it with other other teams as well. I mean, with like Arkansas, Mississippi State, you look at their over-under win totals things like that, and you look at South Carolina's over-under win totals, I think it's sitting at six and a half around there, something like that. But it is that number because of the schedule they play, the teams they are going to play throughout this season. You, If you can go through South Carolina's schedule and tell me 10 wins, <laughs> you can't say that like you're, you're going to look at the Georgia game and just say win, W. Tennessee win W, Kentucky win. You're really that's what that's what you think because I don't see how that makes any sense. You have Georgia coming off a national championship. You have Arkansas in week two, who's a top twenty team in the country according to the AP poll. You have Tennessee who is riding about probably more hype than South Carolina is right now, and. You know, you have that SEC schedule. You have Kentucky. Um, like I said, you have Florida, too. And I will say Florida's not going to be a toss-up win either. I don't think Florida's as good as people think, but I don't think that's a toss-up win. Mm-hmm. You look at that schedule, and you're going to tell me 10 wins? You're going to tell me 9 wins? I mean, I, I think my prediction, we'll talk more about predictions, but I think 8-4. and four. Mm-hmm. And that's giving us a game. Mm-hmm. That that's saying I think we get an upset here. So I mean it's just being realistic. But I think I think you're right. The big thing this season for South Carolina, for the fans, for recruits, for you know boosters and Coach Beamer, it's improvement. So yes, I would like to see an eight win season just to show, you know, kind of show the world like yeah we are better than a few of the teams you didn't think we were. And so that's what I think. But even if you go seven and five, win a bowl game. You're improving, and the recruits are coming in. Beamer's getting his guys in. You know, South Carolina as a program is on an upward trajectory. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the main thing you got to think about. But, Mike, I just think you're being realistic, and we have to be realistic here. So um, when you look at that schedule, I just don't know how you're talking about Mm -hmm. 10, 11. You know, I've heard undefeated. You're -hmm. you're a little crazy. And look, I hope, I hope. I would love to be here a couple months from now and South Carolina has 10 wins, 12 wins, whatever the case may me, be. Me too. And say, me. Hey, you know what? I was wrong. I just don't see it happening right now. 
I just don't see it happening. You mentioned some of these predictions, Nick. I'm going to go through some of these that I had on um, on Gamecock Central that I just posted yesterday. I mentioned the one before about Jordan Strawn. That was something that stood out to me. And granted, Nick, you don't have to have an opinion for every single one. Um, you can kind of you know share some that you have. But if you, you feel like you agree or disagree, um, intervene here. I know we didn't necessarily discuss this that we we're going to do this, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll roll with this. So I mentioned that with Jordan Strawn. Here, here's what I was talking about before the offense. I have this team averaging over 30 points a game. Since 2015, Nick, since 2015, South Carolina has averaged 30 points per game or more in a season just once. That was that Outback Bowl season, mm-hmm. 2018. Um, <laughs> I... Or that was the year after the Outback Bowl season, excuse me. Um, I just don't I I don't want to seem like I'm I'm getting too caught up in the hype with Rattler and the weapons, because I've seen this song and dance before. Again, only been covering this team since twenty sixteen, but every time there's been high expectations, there's always just been this, you know, always comes crashing down. And that isn't fair necessarily to Beamer and this coaching staff because a lot of that had to do with the previous regime. But at the end of the day, that's what my experience is with the team. Um, I say all that, though. You know, one of the reasons why that's why South Carolina struggled on offense during that time period, or one thing that's really stood out to me is the lack of consistency at offensive coordinator. I've mentioned that before. Um, that you'd have to go back to that 18-19 season with Brian McClendon when he returned as OC. But in those seven seasons, Nick, seven seasons, USC has had five different offensive coordinators. Five. So this will mark the first time since that 18-19 season that USC is returning an OC from the previous season. So when you bring back your OC, you have that continuity with the offensive coordinator. You return all five starters on the offensive line, who I understand some people are already out on the on the old line before the season even starts because they just think they're garbage. Well, look, again, new offensive coordinator last year, third OC in three years for South Carolina, switching up from a man-blocking scheme to a zone-blocking scheme. And I can tell you right now, there's teams in the NFL that are struggling with that, team that I'm covering right now, the New England Patriots. It is just an absolute nightmare right now because a lot of these guys aren't used to doing zone-blocking. I understand what the argument would be. It's the SEC. They should be able to know how to block that. I get that, but a lot of them are being taught how to do man blocking. So, you know, bottom line is to sum up zone blocking, everyone has to be on the same page. Everyone has to be on the same page, and it's not necessarily just the offensive linemen all working together, right, trying to block, go to the next level, pick up the linebacker, or even go to the third level with the safety. It's being able to do the little things before the snap being able to identify the Mike linebacker, being able to figure out who the middle linebacker is. Because if you forget, if that gets screwed up, Nick, if guys are hopping around and you misidentify the Mike, it's going to screw everything up. So, again, at the end of the day, it is what it is from last year. It's over with. But I just feel like the offensive line will look better this year. And then just adding on the fact that you're going to have you know a talented quarterback, you're going to have a deep wide receiver room, 
in a running back room that has talent. Um, I don't think there's any excuses as to why South Carolina should not be able to average 30 points or more this year. No, I agree. I'll back, I'll back you on that. Um, because I mean, even if you go back to just the fact, I remember when Satterfield first talked to Rattler, he said, everyone thinks you suck. Everyone thinks Hmm. I suck. Let's go prove them wrong. So you have that chip on their shoulder of proving how good they both are. So I think that helps a lot. And I think they're going to prove that. But then you also look like you said, how deep the running back room is, you know, the depth there they have at that position. I think the talent at tight end and wide receiver is so much better than it was last year. And now you have a quarterback who can make things happen for those players and for those skill positions. So I think, honestly, I'd be a little, it's a lot to ask, but I fully expect this of South Carolina's offense this year. And I hope it's, I hope it turns out to be true. Um, so yeah, I'll back you on that. I think they can average over 30. The other one, and this is something that we heard Marcus Lattimore, he might maybe got a little, uh, little carried away. Um, when he said that he could see Jaheim Bell getting a hundred carries this year, but Hey, look, Jaheim Bell gets a hundred carries. I'll be the first one to say, Marcus, man, you were right. You were right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if people know this. I don't even know if Marcus knows this one Oh seven, five, the game, the very next day, they were playing our podcast on the airwaves and they were actually playing that part of it with Marcus saying he thinks that Jaheim Bell could get a hundred carries this year. And Marcus, as he said, he's like, I don't know anything. Um, in terms of the details, Marcus knows a lot, but he wasn't being told like, Hey, this is what, but one of the things that took place today, earlier today with Marcus Satterfield, he was asked, could you see Jaheim getting about 10 to 15 carries a game? And Marcus was like, look, I've told Jaheim, like, you know, if this we're putting too much on your plate. Let us know. So I, I don't think it's crazy for this next thing that I'm going to say as to one of my um, predictions. I don't think it's crazy to think it could happen, which is I believe Jaheim Bell will have at least at least one game rushing for over 100 yards. This is a tight end who will be playing in the slot a little bit, too, on the outside. He'll be he'll be hopping around a little bit, but I expect him to get some carries. And I'm not talking just about, you know, jet sweeps or, you know, end around. No, I'm talking legitimately being in the backfield. Um, and I'm, I'll share this quote again that I've, I just cannot get out of my mind. It goes back to this spring from uh, Satterfield. And he said, Jaheim is not a tight end anymore. We list him as a tight end, but Jaheim, he's Debo 2.0. Jaheim's new position is called wide back. So I'm interested to see what the heck that even means and what Satterfield has planned for him. But I believe Bell will have at least one game rushing for over 100 yards this year. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy. I mean, when you're saying just the one game, um, I think it's fully possible. He, I mean, he could have a he could have a game where he, you know, gets a couple of carries, but they're runs for big game, and he, you know, stacks up the yards. And with his talent and his athletic ability, and especially the quote you just said of basically they call him Debo 2.0 and a wide back. I think that's fully in the realm of possibilities for him to um, to get that get that amount of yards in one game um, at some point this season. I mean, it's fully possible. I mean, like we said, maybe it's not a hundred carries in a year, but it also could be. And we'll be, like you said, we'll be the first people to give Marcus his credit on that. But 
I think that's fully possible. I don't think that's that's crazy. You know, I wanted to be unique in that one and say maybe I could disagree with Mike, but I think that's fully <laughs> possible. That is fully possible for Jaheim to go off for 100. And going back to last season, to just remind people about what Jaheim did on the ground, seven carries for 40 yards. Seven carries for 40 yards. He had two rushes, two rushes for 16 yards in that opener against Eastern Illinois. Um, he had one carry for no yards against Vandy. Uh, he had one carry for three yards against Missouri. And then he had the, 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 the three carries for 21 yards against North Carolina, the Dukes Mayo Bowl. That Duke's Mayo Bowl, and I want to say it was his coming out party because he had some big games earlier in the year. I think about that Vanderbilt game in particular. Had mm-hmm. over 130 yards receiving. He had a touchdown. Um, he had some other games where you know he posted 40. I think, let's see, one, two, three. And then you include the uh, Vandy game, the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So one, two, three, four, five, five games of 40 yards or more. But that Duke's Mayo Bowl game, I mean, shoot, two touchdowns in the first half, 100 yards receiving in the first half, five catches, 159, and two touchdowns. And then he also added 21 yards on the ground. Um, You could have had three. I mean, look, what to carry on Joyner did, it was incredible. But let, let, let's just say, for the sake of the conversation, Joyner wasn't the MVP of that game. Uh, Kevin Harris had a hell of a game, but man, what Jaheim Bell did certainly would be in the mix. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what Satterfield has planned to get him the ball and how to use him. And I think because of it, you're going to see other things, Nick, which is my next one. It's a little transition. Antoine Wells Jr. will lead USC in receiving touchdowns this year. Okay. I don't know. I definitely think it's possible, but just because I, I'm also very high on Antoine Wells Jr. Because I just think his talent, you know, I don't think people are really ready to see, um, you know, how good he really is. Um, because like we said, we've said it many times before, you think FCS and you just kind of, you know, oh, well, this is the SEC. Well, I think Antoine Wells Jr. is going to be an impact player on this team. I don't know if he's going to lead the team. I'd probably still take Josh Van. Are you saying lead in receiving touchdowns? Receiving touchdowns. I have Josh Van. Excuse me. I have Jaheim Bell. I can't even speak now. Let's try this for a third time. I have Antoine Wells Jr. Juice. I had one of the J's, right? Josh. Yeah, exactly. Jaheim Juice. I would honestly, I'm I'm saying Jaheim leads in Jaheim? receiving. I think receiving? I just think he's going to literally just be the best player on South Carolina this year. Um, and he's gonna do some crazy things. We've talked about what we think he can do on the ground. I did say that was possible. I didn't say it was going to happen. Um mm-hmm. you did. I I support that and I think it can a hundred percent can happen. Um but I think really, he. I mean, I think he's going to stack up the touchdowns, stack up the receiving yards, and, you know, he's going to be used in so many different ways. But just hearing about what he's doing in practice, the way he's improved in the offseason, 
seeing him in at the North Carolina game in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I think I think Jaheim's going to lead it. I mean, whatever position he may be, in, he's not a wide receiver. He's not he's not exactly a tight end. You know, he's not a running back. But I think I think he'll lead uh, lead the team in receiving touchdowns. And I could see Jaheim leading the team in receiving touchdowns. I just feel like the reason why I'm giving it to Juice is because I feel like more teams are going to be concerned about stopping him and Josh Van in particular. And we also might see Austin Stogner out there because Stogner was very good uh, when it came to route running at Oklahoma. And obviously he has a rapport with Rattler. So I can see teams, depending on the personnel, they throw two tight ends out there, which I can see happening a lot with this South Carolina team. But regardless of that, the way the way Wells plays, he's a guy that can play on the inside. He's a guy that can play on the outside. I feel like South Carolina will use him more on the slot than anything. He's just a matchup nightmare. Because mm-hmm. if you are more concerned about stopping a guy like Josh Van, right? You have someone that's a little bit bigger. Or you put someone out there that's trying to slow down the speed of, um, of Jaheim Bell. And you have someone that might be not be as big, but you know, you get it's going to be a personnel nightmare for some of these defensive coordinators going up against South Carolina, especially if they can get cooking. But I just feel like with Josh, he's um, or Antoine Wells Jr., he's going to slide under the radar from some of these defensive coordinators. Let me just throw up some of these stats that he had last year caught 83 passes for 1,250 yards and 15 touchdowns. 15 touchdowns last year. Those numbers ranked tied for fourth, third, and tied for first, respectively, in all of FCS last season. He was tied for the most receiving touchdowns in FCS last year. Now, again, this isn't the FCS anymore. James Madison, they moved to FBS this offseason. But there's a reason why there's a lot of hype around this guy. There's a reason why Wells Jr., has landed as the number 47 overall prospect in the number 10 wide receiver in on three's 2022 transfer portal rankings. There's a reason why. Um, keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on him. I'm not saying that specifically to you, Nick, but there's a lot of people that just are kind of overlooking this guy. And I get it. I get it. There's multiple reasons why. FCS guy, the fact that there's guys like Josh Van here, Jaheen Bell, I get it. But don't be surprised midway through the year to see Antoine Wells Jr. being one of the the key pieces to this offense. I think he has the opportunity to do some very, very special things this year. Well, I think even you even said a lot of people are overlooking him. And I think for what you're saying, him being overlooked is actually a big reason he might see so much success is because. You know, because of all the matchups with Jaheim Bell, Josh Van, um, and Austin Stogner, those matchups they have to have, yeah, Antoine Wells Jr. could get kind of not be thought of in that moment. They're like, oh, that's not the person we're worried about covering. And he could eat because of that. You know, he he has less coverage on him. He has a more freedom to, you know, get up there and make big plays, which could benefit South Carolina a lot. So I think that's honestly a key thing is, you know, people are overlooking him. And I do think early on 
defense defensive coordinators are going to realize we should not overlook that guy because I mean FCS or not that stat line he had last year is insane and you think about the talent that's come out of the FCS that's you know gone on to the NFL and you know how highly ranked he is in the transfer portal I mean he he's that highly ranked for a reason and he played at James Madison for a reason so I'm I'm extremely excited to see what he can do this year and it's fully possible that he comes out and just lights it up so I'm not going to read every single one of these. If you want to go check out the article, go to On3, Gamecock Central, be able to see that. Um, if you have not subscribed to On3 or Gamecock Central, you can do that for one buck for a month. One buck for a month. If you want four months, you get $10, right? Something like that. I think that's it. Do the math in my head here. Or you get 10, mu- 10 months for four, something like that. I should know the deal here. Um We've been only been promoting it so much the last couple months. But go go check that out. Good opportunity to be able to check things out. One dollar for one month, um, for one year. That's what it is. One year is ten dollars right now. So twelve months, ten dollars. See, I wasn't good at math. Um, that's why we're broadcasters. Absolutely. So go check it out. One dollar, one month. And the cool thing about this is, if you're a member of uh, on three, you have the opportunity as well to to check out other sites um, that are under the on three umbrella. So if you want to go take a peek over the fence at Clemson, you just can't write on the message boards, um, or you want to go take a peek into the fence of what's going on at Georgia or whoever, right? You know, anyone that has a on three site, and pretty much all these schools are starting to have on three sites. Um, go check it out. Go check it out. Um, really neat to be able to do that. So you could be a member of Gamecock Central, but it gives you access to all the on three sites. Um, the last one I'll say, Nick, and we kind of hit on it before. I have South Carolina going eight and four. Um, I feel like it's more so between eight and four and seven and five, in my opinion. Um but I, I do feel like this team will get better as the year goes on. I really do. I feel like this is the team that will start the year off one and two. I feel like they'll lose to Arkansas just because they're going to still be ironing out a lot of the wrinkles in their offense. They're going to be trying to figure themselves out more than anything. And they're not going to have an opportunity to really breathe because they go to Arkansas and they come right back home. They got to play Georgia. So, it's going to be challenging. Uh, it's going to be difficult. But I think with this South Carolina team, I feel like as the year goes on, especially because you have Charlotte and SC State right after that, and the good thing for South Carolina is it's not the South Carolina State team from a year ago. Um, I think that would have been a better matchup for the Bulldogs. But um, they're going to be able to get comfortable. And then they're going to go to Kentucky. And I feel like even though Beamer took the high road last week when he was asked about it, about Mark Stoops' comments, I can tell you, and I'm not specifically speaking for Beamer, but I can tell you that struck a nerve with a lot of people in that building, a lot of people in that building. Um, It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, They're not happy about that. They're not happy about that. The players they're not happy about that, but I can tell you it's not just the players that aren't happy. So because of all that, that Kentucky game, which is always going to be important for multiple reasons, right? You want to be able to talk about 
making moves in the SEC East. I'm not going to say here, well, winning the SEC East. I'm talking about just being able to make progress and finish in front of Kentucky year in and year out, to finish in front of the Tennessees year in and year out before we're talking about getting on Georgia's level right now. Going to Kentucky is not easy. Going to Kentucky, a team you've not had a lot of success playing home or away, it's not going to be easy. I feel like they're going to have added motivation, and because of that, they're going to get that win. It's going to give them even more confidence and momentum, and because of that, that's why I feel like they'll finish 8-4. and four. I don't have them beating Clemson, though. Yeah, so I have um... – Mine differs from you. So, I, like I said, I am also teetering seven and five and eight and four. For this, I will say eight and four. Um, obviously, Georgia State's a win. I say Arkansas is a win. Mm. I think that's going to be a very tough game that could go either way. Um, but I think South Carolina can pull it out. I think, I just think with the talent this team has, don't get me wrong, Arkansas is a very good team, but I think that's a big win for them. South Carolina is going to know how big that game is. The players, the coaches, they're going to know how big that is um, to go into Georgia 2-0. and I think they come out with a win. Then Georgia, sadly, I have to say it, I think that's a loss. I mean, it's the, it's the reigning national champions. You know, like you said, working on getting to that level that Georgia's at. But then UNC Charlotte, SC State wins. I agree with you, Mike. Kentucky is a win, in my opinion. Um, and then A&M loss. And then Missouri, Vanderbilt, Florida another three wins for me, and I think they lose to Tennessee and, sadly, lose to Clemson. But that's a rivalry game, so we have no idea. You never know which way it's going to go. Um, but I also will say, as a graduate of the University of South Carolina, I have to say I would love mo- nothing more for all the people to be right, and, you know, it's a 10-2 season. It's 11-1. and one, It's 9-3, and three, whatever it may be. I want nothing more than that, but this is where I how I think the season is going to fall out. South Carolina ends eight and four, which is you know very respectable, very good, and go to a bowl game. So I'd I'd be very happy with that for the Gamecocks. And if someone's listening to this and they're not happy with eight and four, let's say they're not happy about possibly even seven and five. What I would say to you is this: depending on who you beat, right? unless it's something crazy and it just, you know, in terms of how you got to those seven wins, eight wins, right? Like you lose to, I'm making this up, like South Carolina State and Charlotte and, you know, you're able to find wins somewhere else. What this is going to do is it's going to do exactly what we talked about is needed this year. It's going to be able to show progress. And that is what this year is truly, truly, truly all about. You know, you're working with essentially – a one-year rental in Spencer Rattler. You're working with a rental in Austin Stogner, Devani Reed. You're working with rentals more than anything. So I, I say that because take advantage of it. Is this going to be the formula that South Carolina is going to look towards every single year, go to the transfer portal? I mean, I can't sit here and say it won't be. Because, I mean, then again, if you told me this a year ago, um, if you told me this a year ago, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have expected South Carolina to be in this situation. So I I, I think it's always interesting to see. Especially now with college football, how things will play out, 
in the offseason? I mean, Mike, I talk about it a lot. Before, when I was first started doing the show, before you and Marcus joined on, I made a joke about Spencer Rattler coming to South Carolina because of the Beamer connection. And I was like, you know, it would be great if Spencer Rattler came. I had no actual expectation it would actually happen. I thought it was just, it would be fun if it happened. It's not gonna. Well, it did. So I didn't expect this at all. But, you know, this offseason for South Carolina fans has been beautiful. It's been like running in a meadow with nothing wrong. I mean, it's your the hype is insane and everyone loves the team. And, you know, Beamer can do no wrong. The recruiting's gone great. But, you know, it's time. It's time to come back to reality. It's time to get ready and go to Willie B and, you know, play Georgia State and take on this SEC schedule. But South Carolina is in a great position to do something special this year. And, you know, they just got to improve. They got to show their recruits that this program is on an upward trajectory and it's getting better every season. And eventually it's going to compete with the big dogs of college football. And that's what they're trying to build to. So it starts right here. It starts with Georgia State. So I'm excited to see it. And a little breaking news, I say break, a little breaking news because depending on when you're listening to it, there'll be more information. Uh, I'm being told that it has not been officially reported yet, but by the time you listen to this show, hopefully it will be, uh, South Carolina running back Kevin Harris spotted today at practice with the Patriots. So uh, looks like the Patriots have signed Kevin Harris to the practice squad, which is something I've been told was very likely to happen. Um, happy for Kevin. I think it's going to be a good opportunity for him to be on that practice squad. Um, and for a guy like Damian Harris, you know, if you guys do follow the Patriots or follow the NFL, Belichick doesn't necessarily keep running backs a- around that long, um, especially once they get into that second contract, their contract, all that kind of stuff. So for a guy like Kevin Harris, if he can ball out, do some good things in the practice squad this year, it could really open up some opportunities for him next year in New England and perhaps somewhere else. But now you're in the mix. Now you're in the mix to be able to, you know, be in front of not just NFL coaches, but the greatest NFL coach of all time, which is Bill Belichick and some of these other guys. And, you know, word spreads throughout the league. If you have a good work ethic, you do things the right way. If it's not necessarily New England, it could be somewhere else. Uh, But, you know, again, I bring that up because of obviously with uh, double dipping this year, with covering the Patriots, um, Kevin Harris, it appears to have been signed to the practice squad. Um, also being told that tight end Nick Muse has been signed to the practice squad by the Minnesota Vikings. So we'll have much more with that. Um, what I will do over the next day or two, probably come out either tomorrow or Friday, I will have a complete list of every player in the NFL, former Gamecocks, that is, um, and we'll be able to keep you guys updated. So that was the news that came out with that. Nick, want to wrap up with just this. I know we kind of touched on it at the beginning, though. Jadavian Clowney being able to have his jersey retired, expected to be out there in front of the crowd on Saturday night. Um, I, I think it's going to be incredible um, for what he means to that program, not just the fact of what he was able to do with the hit, right? I mean, this is a guy that was a multiple All-American, multiple-time All-American, um, first overall pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, 
holds records still to this day for most sacks in a season, most tackles for a loss in a season. I'm glad South Carolina is doing this. I am. I, I think he's one of the greatest Gamecocks of all time. No, I agree. He is. I mean, you're crazy if, if you don't think so. All he's done for the University of South Carolina, the notoriety he brought, um, I mean, that hit is probably one of the most played just highlights in college football. I mean, I remember I watched a video that was top plays from every school. You didn't even have to, you know, I didn't even have to really look at the South Carolina one to know what it is. It's the hit against Michigan. And, you know, he means so much to fan, new fans, old fans. Um, you know, he means so much to everyone in the South Carolina community. You know, a South Carolina um, huge commit for the program when he came. And like you said, I mean, first overall pick, he was outstanding when he was there. I mean, it's just, it's extremely well-deserved. And I'm, I'm so happy that South Carolina is doing this for him and uh, he's going to be out there, like you said. And it's just a great moment for him and for the team and the program and their history. I mean, he's one of the greatest to do it, to wear, you know, wear a Gamecock jersey. So, you know, congratulations to him. And I'm, I'm extremely happy that they're doing it. Well, I'm excited, too. It should be a fun time down in Columbia this weekend. And perhaps perhaps I'll even be there. I don't know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, folks. But we appreciate you listening this week. Marcus will be back on next week. Uh, a couple other things I do want to announce here. If you didn't have a chance to catch it on Tuesday night, there's a new show with Gamecock Central that is GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. That debuted last night. We'll be adding a call-in feature in the uh, the next couple of days because on Saturday, Nick, we're going to be doing a post-game show. GC Live Post game. I don't think that's the exact title yet, but we're going to have a title for that. Um, so if you guys wins, losses, whatever, call in, get it off your chest. We'll do that starting this week. And so very excited about that. And uh, perhaps we'll have Nick come on a couple times on those Tuesday night shows. So we'll Love be able to, be to there. promote a little bit. But appreciate you guys listening. Again, practice squads for teams are going to. Be reported across the league. Some of them already have been, but for the teams like the Patriots, nothing official yet, but it appears that Kevin Harris has been signed to the practice squad after being spotted today at practice. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll do it again next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.